0: What is up everybody, this is David Corbo, I am the host of Where I Belong, and thank you for tuning in. Uh, Yeah, you know, I don't know what episode this is, I think it's probably episode 19, and this is supposed to be episode 20, but I have an episode that I just can't seem to upload with my buddy Andrew Steiner, stand-up comedian. Really hoping I can get that figured out, but uh, looks like I might have to outsource, get some help on that one. It was, uh, you know, I, I did an episode with my buddy Jay, and the sound quality was atrocious, and I was so worried that I told him. He wanted to meet in person, Andrew, and I said, you know what, man, let's meet up, or let's just do it in Skype, and then I'll come and watch your show. And Andrew said, don't worry about it, dude, I've got good audio recording Uh, equipment and so we decided to go that route but then that involved him sending me the file and unfortunately it's in this weird state where like there was two microphones so there's two separate files one voice is or one file is his voice the other file is my voice and I don't know how to sync them up and, and and I don't know we'll figure it out but anyway Uh, today I have a really cool guest, Elliot Pacheco, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, we'll find out shortly. He actually hiked the entire Appalachian Trail, which is fucking wild. Jay, from one of my last podcasts, actually put me onto him. He's a friend of his and helped hook us up. And it's actually cool because I live right by the Appalachian Trail. Or at least, well, you know, the Appalachian Trail goes from Georgia to Maine. Yeah, Georgia to Maine. So the whole East Coast, excluding the tip of the dick that is Florida. So, I mean, it's my understanding that takes like six months, dude. Six months of just walking. And part of it cuts right through the mountain that I live on. It's actually right down the road. So, um, you know, I imagine something like that changes who you are as a person and, and, and all this super exciting, interesting stuff that uh, I, I've, you know, I've, I've kind of kicked around the idea of doing that when Jack's older and I'm like, you know, late, late 40s, how long would I have to wait? Let's say until he's out of the house, right? Uh, like 18, or, you know, maybe even if he's still home, but either way let's say like 17, 18 years old, right? Uh, That would put me, He's three now, we'd need another 15 years. 15 years from now is 33, 2033 (laughs) is when I would be able to do that. And in 2033, I'll be 43 years old. That sounds about right. Sounds about right. So yeah, I've always kicked around the idea, like how cool would that be, man? Um, and this gangster just went up ahead and did it, so let's, uh, let's cut to the goddamn chase and give Elliot a call, shall we? Shrink y'all. Let's see what's up. Holy shit. Hello. Elliot. Hey. What's going on, brother? Can you hear me good? Absolutely, how are you? Awesome, awesome. Let me just adjust the volume a little bit here and uh and then we should be good. So how's everything going on your end? It's amazing. How about you? I'm good, brother. Let's jump straight into it. You uh you hiked the entire Appalachian Trail. Yes I did. Georgia to Maine. Ooh. How uh how many miles is that? It was 2,190 miles. Oh, my God. I can't even wrap my head around that. That's not a number that is applicable in my life, so I don't know how to uh, – how, how long did it take as far as time?
1: Uh, for me, I, I slowed it down at the end, but I wanted to indulge in the experience as much as possible, so six months.
0: Wow, dude. Six months. When, when did you leave?
1: I started on March 31st at the Approach Trail in uh, Georgia, and I was on the first mountain by April 1st.
0: Wow. Okay. What you say? What was it? March 3rd? March 31st. Oh, 31st. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. March 31st. What? What made you? Uh, what made you decide to do that? Oh man. Um, <laughs> right. That's I've a that's a, a big I, question, yeah. right?
1: It is, um, you know, a lot of thought goes into it. Um, I'm not a guy that has a lot of accomplishments in life. You know, I've yet to achieve a, a degree, and I have no kids. So I, I always wanted to look back at my life and and feel a sense of accomplishment. You know, and I've always been up for adventure and challenge. So that's definitely one thing that drove me.
0: When when did you decide this? Like, when did you really seriously start to kick that idea around?
1: Now I was taking day hikes with like my girlfriend all the time and we decided to like step it up so uh we went to Massachusetts on one of the you know one of the major hikes out there and we met one of the thru hikers and he told us that he was hiking from Georgia to Maine and to me it was just like unheard of he said oh you know look it up on YouTube and that was 7 months before I just uh 7 months before I took off so 6 I think 6 months before is when I
0: fully committed wow so just a conversation with that guy and you decided that that was for you
1: it's absolutely inspiring you know like i used to wrestle when i was younger and just that that sport where it's like you against yourself you know that self-accountability kind of thing just drove me towards it you know
0: yeah i imagine that as much of a physical accomplishment as it is it's a it's a psychological one
1: absolutely they say like the halfway point in uh on the trail is Harpers Ferry, but it's a psychological halfway point. Where is that? It's in uh Harpers Ferry, West Virginia.
0: Whew. Yeah, that's 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 a ways away. Um so you you said that you had done a lot of hiking kind of just casually with your uh with your girlfriend.
1: Yeah, no, nothing more like I have done camping but nothing more than one night.
0: Okay. And um, so okay, so around seven months before it, you bump into this guy. What what, what did you call him? A thru hiker. Yeah, he's a thru. That's what they're called, thru hikers. And what is that?
1: It's a, a thru hikers uh, defined as a person that starts from one end of a trail and finishes
0: at the other end of the trail. Yeah, because these trails, um, the Appalachian Trail is unique, but it's not necessarily the only one, right? What other ones are there?
1: In America, there are three major Pacific Crest Trail, which goes from Mexico to Canada, which I plan on doing next year. Oof. It goes through California, through a desert, and then you go through Washington State and Oregon. And then another, the other one, is it goes through Central uh, America, which is Montana to New Mexico. And that was like 3,760 miles, I think. Oh, wow. But the Appalachian Trail is one of the three. So
0: you meet this thru-hiker. He tells you this story, and, and it inspires you. What do you... What do you start doing, man, to kind of get ready for such a thing,
1: man? Um, YouTube videos are the biggest resource. They have books that you can read, but that takes way too long nowadays. I think there was a like five years ago. There were these major vloggers who started posting YouTube videos, and they just offer an endless amount of of information. You know, on what gear to buy, how much food you're gonna be carrying, uh, what the price of everything is going to be, and how much money you're going to spend on trail, all of that, you know, who you're going to meet, what you're going to experience, and you. I, I'm telling you, YouTube videos go a long way, I'm not sure how people did it five years ago, without this YouTube, uh, you know, phenomenon that's going on, but it really helps a lot that YouTube.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I was just thinking that very same thing, it's like, imagine the people that came before, that didn't have, you know, a resource like YouTube, or something like that, and, end up fucking it up in in whatever kind of number of ways didn't bring the right amount of resources didn't pack the right gear didn't know that the shoes that they had were crap or you know what i mean it's got oh my god the amount of failures (laughs) that came before
1: yeah people have all these uh preconceived notions about oh i'm gonna be wearing boots but for the most part sneakers with traction are the best and all these things you think you're gonna be hunting animals and you're actually bringing food for yourself it's it's just stuff that you don't think of until you watch these videos and say hey like they're actually doing it you know
0: what the idea of of hunting animals on this trip would probably be pretty unrealistic right
1: yeah even carrying a gun or a knife is just added weight you don't want to carry
0: yeah that's a good point everything ounces add up when you're when you're trekking across the country
1: every little thing adds up and some parks some national parks uh are completely against hunting animals yeah like the Shenandoah National Park you can't shoot or hunt bear so all that stuff you know it uh it comes into play when you're when you're hungry out there like what are you gonna eat like you start eating the the most you can eat out of nature are mushrooms and stuff like that you know
0: yeah it's got it's it's an unreliable uh source of food as well because how many hunters uh, go out and they'll go on ten day trips and come back empty handed. You couldn't go out there and, and pretend that you were going to be successful every time you went out to hunt an animal, and uh, that that would be nonsense.
1: You would absolutely starve to death. You <laughs> that, <you> know? <laughs>
0: exactly, exactly. Um, so, did you got go the route? I know I've I've watched some stuff on this before, and a lot of folks went as far as like you know cutting their toothbrushes in half to save ounces that way.
1: Would you believe I actually did that? Did you really? I cut, I, I cut my toothbrush and after like the first month, I'm like, I'm getting all this toothpaste all over my hands. Like I made sure to buy ultralight gear so that I can spoil myself in like other aspects because I brought like my GoPro and all these battery chargers that were heavy just because I really liked electronics. Like I'm a gearhead. Yeah. So I, I did do that. Like I, I did go as far as doing that. But then like after the first month, you adapt to your own likes and dislikes, you know?
0: what kind of a financial situation is that? Like how much does what you need cost initially? Like I know along the way there's occasionally a a stop that you can veer off the path and stop at like a store and maybe re up on supplies. But the initial taking off from the the start line, what did that, what does that look like as far as money goes?
1: Uh, Money goes, um, now essentially you're liquidating all your funds since you're not working on trail, you're saving up at least five to eight thousand dollars for the trail some people do it you know a lot cheaper because they've hired trails in the past and they know how to be like a vagabond like a professional vagabond and spend only like i met a guy that was like 300 miles in he was like yeah i've only spent like 50 bucks and i'm like meanwhile i had spent already like three 350 already because i wasn't used to being like a dirty homeless guy in the woods you know (laughs) but for the most part on average like i did a survey that the Abolition trail provides um you spend around like five to six six thousand five hundred dollars on the trek itself and then three thousand to three thousand five
0: hundred on gear wow and and i mean if you're thinking that that is anything else but a pursuit of passion you're certainly not making money doing that right so it's it's you're you're throwing that money into your heart essentially Absolutely.
1: It's a, it's a, it's a dream you pay for, you know,
0: did you go alone?
1: I I go alone. I, I did go alone, but thousands of people from all around the world that go, like I was hiking with a guy from Germany for like 1600 miles, but there are people around you all day, but I chose to hike alone throughout most of the day to call my own shots, to pretty much eat whenever I wanted to and camp wherever I wanted to. But you're never truly alone unless you decide to be alone, because even if you fall and break your leg, there will be someone that's walking five, ten miles behind you that'll catch up to you and see you there.
0: Oh, that's comforting. Yes, that's good. What what sort of um, what did you do in regards of you know preparation as far as workout goes? I mean, did you consider um, that
1: before I went on the hike? I was a server and you constantly I constantly be on my feet, so walking was never anything new to me. I was. Like a gym rat, I was always at the gym, but I never truly concentrated on on legs. And the YouTubers, the vloggers that give out all this information, they say, "Hey, there's no real way to prepare for this other than going hiking." You know, like you improve your stamina, you improve like just like your everything, your, your breathing, uh, the the your joints, your ankles, all that stuff. That all comes with just daily hiking.
0: What did the did people tell you you were crazy when you decided that you were going to do this? As far as friends and family goes, yeah, man.
1: Unfortunately, I even got the initial reaction from my mother, like you don't have any goals in life. Like she hadn't yet processed like the the significance of this, you know. And people ask me, are you getting paid for this? Like, what are you thinking? What are your plans? And it's just because it's not a well known sport yet. It's it's growing now. Like since like the past five years, growing a number like seventy percent more people go and more people try. But yeah, people, people, people ask me that, man.
0: Did she realize it when you came back from it? Yeah. Like I had always
1: been posting videos on my YouTube page and my Instagram was always lit. You know, I was always posting daily stories and pictures. And I I think once she found out, other people found out that you can actually go on YouTube and see what the hikes are like. That's when they, I guess, grasped the scope behind the big picture. You know, it's not just me walking in, the woods. It's me doing that. Only one percent of the world's population has actually accomplished in life. You know.
0: Yeah. Well, it, there is something from I guess the older generations. You know, I, with the internet and the access to information that we have now, the realm of possibilities and things to do in life just blew wide open. And absolutely, it it's there. But if you don't realize it and you're not actively looking at it, you have no idea. But you know, you're how old are you?
1: I'm. I'll be 32 in December.
0: Okay. Yeah. So you, you're. You know, same generation as me, and we're at. We were raised with it, but midway through our lives, we got it, and it's been a symbiotic relationship ever since. So we've been able to see like all these different possibilities. You know, doing doing podcasting. Uh, I, I have family members that are really concerned, and you know, oh, the amount of. Time you're dumping into it The amount of money you're dumping into it what's the, I'm like, well number one, I'm not dumping money into it uh, It's free And number two, I'm not It's it's not what you think There's this thing where if they don't We get to exist in the culture of it You get to exist in the culture of these long distance treks You know, you submerge yourself in the culture You learned all about it Somebody who's outside on the peripheral it's it It does seem kind of crazy
1: absolutely
0: which is a bummer so you didn't um you didn't do anything really like like you said in as far as the gym goes what about what about nutrition did you kind of go a route of cuz i imagine your meals were pretty minimal
1: uh minimal and non not healthy at all like um as far as uh healthy foods you fruit or veggies on trail because i mean Other than the fact that they might spoil and they recommend that you bring foods that have the most calories and unfortunately those are foods like Pop-Tarts and chocolate and sugar, anything that brings that caloric intake up and it's usually not – that's the unfortunate part, you know? Like you're eating crap but you're burning like 3,000 to 5,000 calories a day and you just need as as many calories as you can a day, you know?
0: Yeah, That's an interesting state to be in because you're kind of – it's a game of trying to – calories in versus calories out. You're burning so much and you're just trying to dump crap on you, you know, whatever you can. And like you said, it's not – you can't bring veggies. They're going to spoil and uh, how do you effectively – I mean, you mentioned Pop-Tarts. They're literally flat rectangles. I mean, as far as packing them away, that's ideal. You know, what are you going to do, pack away a, a crown of broccoli?
1: You can't do it, you know
0: <laughs> it's not working out, man. It's
1: crazy to think that I came from a background of grilled chicken and every day, and then I'm just immersed in this world where it's just the most unhealthy stuff, you know, but it it's we see it as gasoline, you know,
0: yeah, at that point you're you're strictly looking at food as a fuel source,
1: that's all it is, and you go into supermarkets and you're doing your resupply, and all you're looking for are calories
0: you know i've never done anything near as big but the things that i've done in my life that were significant it's always and i think everybody shares something to this effect which is that week leading up to it is filled with you know kind of anxiety and 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 you know kind of fear of the unknown what was that week like leading up to it do you remember that
1: i even even a month or two before that i was constantly writing little notes of like a checklist of what i had to bring you know but like the week before almost feels like the night before christmas morning like you have this like man these (laughs) this excitement this anxiousness like go but man you you just want to make sure you don't leave anything behind and you repack your pack a million times it's like it's an anxiety it's it's excitement it's 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 like no feeling because done anything like this before so it's just like all these unknown feelings you know it's crazy man
0: it's um you know when when our our mutual buddy jay uh put me on to you he, he mentioned you were from perth amboy and i i grew up in carteret and then i i lived in ford so right next door and um and he said you know when he said that i thought that's really out of the realm of the culture of perth amboy didn't really wasn't something that harbored that interest. Do you feel like Not at all. you were kind of uh, a little the odd one out? Absolutely.
1: I've always been like that in a lot of aspects. Um, but yeah, one's around here, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm the only person from Perthamboy that that's, that's even goes hiking. And before I went on the trail, I called the Appalachian Trail Conservancy, the people who pretty much own and maintain the trail. And I asked them to see if I was, going to be the first person ever to attempt this trek from Perth Amboy and they looked at the records and said, "Hey, yeah, you're the only person that's ever even attempted this from Perth Amboy." So, I always had that chip on my shoulder, but I always knew that I was kind of different from everybody here because everyone, you know, New Jersey's all, it's always uh compared to New York. It's like city, it's like not rural at all. So, everyone everyone here is trying to like Get their degree and move into the city to make all this money and buy a car and house and all this stuff. And meanwhile, I'm trying to walk in the woods and <laughs> live like a bum, you know. So I've always been the oddball. Always been the oddball.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny because I I live in um, uh, Highland Lakes, which I'm a stone's throw from where the Appalachian Trail crosses the road. Uh, so wow. yeah, you were right here at some point. I, I could walk. Wow. To you. Yeah, I've actually got um. I think I have a picture or two of my truck that's parked on the right on the outside of the trail overlooking New York and uh it's right I mean me and my wife and my son were walking on it the other day, you know, there's a there's a little bit of it. I, I took him out there with a, a walking stick and you know, but it, awesome. it it's funny, you were you were right there. It's I, I see the the hikers all the time. You know, there's a lot of signs that say you could break off here and go to there's a little place called Heaven Hill Farm. And oh
1: yeah, I know exactly. That's uh yeah. I know exactly. That's Stairway to Heaven Trail.
0: Yeah, Stairway to Heaven Trail. That's it. Yeah. If you go, I don't. I guess you'd have to be coming from your direction, and you would go down the Stairway to Heaven, right? If you're coming from Georgia, uh, heading well, up into New York. If
1: if you're going north, you'd be going up the Stairway to Heaven. Okay, and okay. you'd go to the state line, which is not even like. Ten miles away from there.
0: Yeah, no, I I drive through it every... I drive across the trail, so every time I go to ShopRite, I've got to watch out, make sure I don't hit hit any hikers or anything, but it's surprisingly active. I was going to ask you about... I was kind of alluding to it when I asked you about that first week leading up to it, because so much of that has to be psychological, and so much of that has to be kind of squashing the fear, and... It's it's nice to know. I'm sure if if you're you to know that there's a lot of people behind you and there's a lot of people ahead of you uh because if it wasn't for that it that sounds fucking terrifying.
1: It's a fear of being comfortable with sleeping alone at night and hearing all these like the loons from across the lake and hearing a rustling at night you think it's a bear. It's absolutely terrifying just like you said you just, the fear of the unknown, you know?
0: Yeah, you know, I, I go camping, uh, maybe like two, try to go like two, three times a year, and, you know, we go out there with just a small tent, and, you know, make the fire, and, you know, once the fire goes, we'll make some food, or whatever, we always keep it pretty simple, and once you're out in the woods, and, you know, we're all the way down in Wharton State Forest, which is like, kind of the pine barrens, and it's dense forest down there, and once you go to sleep, and there's, I mean, I I honestly can't do it without uh, foam earplugs, because I can hear everything. I remember waking up one night to, like, footsteps, and it's like, I don't know if one of my buddies got out to piss or something like that. I wouldn't even shout to be like yo dude are you pissing I was just (laughs) I was just frozen in fear listening to like thinking of who this could possibly be is walking around my campsite and you know I learned uh that from then on I, I would always bring the foam earplugs and go to sleep but if I'm by myself and you know it's switching up all the time I mean you did you spend nights by yourself or did you most of the time you had a random uh no walking partner
1: when I had first like envisioned, envisioned myself on the trail, I always thought that I would be by myself. You know, like, that's what I truly envisioned. Me and my tent alone in the woods. And that's what I aimed for. I would always go for a stealth campsite, which is a stealth campsite uh, defined as a little spot off the trail that isn't a designated like campers are supposed to camp. And... I truly, uh, until I had a, a tree limb fall on my head somewhere in Maryland, I would always camp by myself.
0: You had a tree limb fall on your head?
1: Yeah, it was called a widow maker. Um, oh,
0: man. I've heard of that are, term. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, uh, it, it was unexpected, obviously, because you do your initial check before you set up your tent. You look up at the trees, see where any dead limbs might be. But that night, just... The wind was was really bad, and I guess the tree limb was really up high, and man, that came down, and my my head rang like a gong
0: everywhere, and
1: luckily, I was, that helped me. It was one of the scariest moments of my life.
0: Wow, so it actually hit you.
1: I still have the scar today. It was right in between my eyes, but like four inches, inches above my forehead.
0: Wow, dude, that is... I got lucky terrifying that is terrifying and you said that you had people to help you luckily there was people nearby
1: yeah luckily there was a guy named yodi and another guy named cruz and yodi actually worked at a shooting range so we had been in that similar situation where people were like stunned and shocked because man when they opened my tent it felt like i was being pulled out of a out of a a car accident scene by the jaws of life you know just my tent was ripped open and I saw these headlamps, and they're yelling my name. Beats, beats! Put put your shoes on. Like they tried to, meet, they tried to uh, make me hold the cut. And the entire time, I was just shivering in shock. And i I, I, I had never screamed so loud in my life for help. It wow. was one of those moments that I still tear up to. You know,
0: where was that? That was in Maryland.
1: That was at the Raven Rock Shelter in Maryland on the Appalachian Trail.
0: And you kept going after that.
1: Yeah, um, once they uh, stopped the bleeding and, like, wiped all the blood off my sleeping pad and brought me into the shelter that was at that location, they got everyone to, like, help me and they put gauze around me and they asked me when I calmed down, hey, do you feel like you need to get off trail? And I I said no. I said absolutely not. This is not going to stop me, you know?
0: Wow, dude. Was, um, I mean, were animals a factor at all? Because I I think for the most part a lot of animal experts will tell you that they're they're pretty much going to leave you alone unless there's a food source nearby if you leave food out if they're interested in that but i i come at it from a strictly emotional angle where i'm like eh, fuck mountain lions and yep. bears uh and you know anything else that's going to snakes and and shit like that was that an issue
1: um Crest Trail, some somebody actually was killed by a mountain lion this year. Uh, but on the app on the Appalachian Trail, rattlesnakes are an everyday factor in the summer. And bear, they recommend you hang a bear bag every day, and for the most part, everyone always does. But in the Shenandoah National Park, since they don't hunt bear, the bear aren't scared of hikers. So they'll literally wait on trail. Like I, I actually hiked one night, like I left at like 4:30 in the morning and hiked through like before the sunrise. And My headlamp was like you know illuminating all the. I, I'm 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 guessing and hoping it was deer, but a lot of, a lot of the trail was filled with bear in the Shenandoah National Park, and no none of the bear or animals moved to the sound of my music or to the clanging of my trekking poles. They wouldn't be scared. So, a factor, and, and I, I I I think, I guess annoying animals are what through hikers called micro bears and which are mice which they'll go into your pack and bite through and ruin your equipment and just go after your food and you won't be able to eat that food you
0: know did you have an issue with that at all any small critters getting into your pack
1: yeah man unfortunately like three or four times and it's predominantly
0: when you stay inside of those shelters
1: like those three-walled uh shelters that they build along the trails they know that hikers are gonna have food so there are little like uh hanging like I guess strings you can tie your food bags to, but they still, like, mice are, like, little acrobats. They climb and... Thing.
0: And just destroy your crap. What, uh... What was your sleeping situation? You were, were you carrying around a tent the entire time?
1: Yeah, I carried a tent. Most people uh, carry uh, hammocks as well because of the abundance of trees on trail, but uh, you can always either sleep in a shelter or, or tent or hammock, and then along the trail, like, every time you hit a road, you can go into a hostel or a hotel, but... It was all it was it was always my tent, was my sleeping pad, it was like an inflatable sleeping pad, was my sleeping bag and then you can get an inflatable pillow, but yeah.
0: Yeah, the uh the we were going to do the hammock thing this year, but uh we were going to take a kayaking trip down the Delaware and then at some point awesome. park the kayaks, hop out and do some, you know, a hammock overnight stay, but I just thought about, you know, waking up in the middle of the night to have a piss and and how are you going to get out of the hammock and you know, I, I just figured it would be too much of a hassle. Luckily, or not luckily, I, I still would have tried to do it. But uh, we actually got rained out and the Delaware became unsafe just for like the weekend that we were going to do it. So that never yep. ended up happening. But yeah, the you know, there's a I mean, to me, the biggest thing, like I said, is the the psychological factor. What is it like to be so detached? In other words, like, you kind of unplugged for, for six months, right? I mean, sure, you took pictures and you went live. How the hell did you go live? Um, There was Wi-Fi?
1: Not, well, uh, every time you'd reach a hostel, they'd, they'd offer Wi-Fi That's for the most right, part. Okay. I guess the best phone service on the trail was Verizon, but I had T-Mobile, so it was like carrying around a rock, like dead weight <laughs> at service.
0: You did get some beautiful pictures, though. I, I mean, your page is filled with beautiful pictures. What I thought was interesting is, uh, you know, it seemed to be this dramatic switch going through your page where, like, it was very normal. You know, there was pictures of, you know, you with your car in the background, just all kinds of normal stuff. And then all of a sudden, it was straight wilderness for... Because six months it was like a, it was like suddenly a different person took over your instagram account
1: crazy right yeah it's a polar opposite man that that's one of the things that drove me just this just this this repetitive lifestyle we live out here man and on the trail it's some it's a new experience every day you're waking up and falling asleep in a different place every day man and it, it was what really drove me out there and I guess people are out there trying to find themselves, you know? And even after the trail, we still don't have all the answers. Like it's almost like you come off trail and you have even more questions than you originally had when you first went out there. And it's like a pilgrimage, you know, you're trying to find yourself and you you really detach yourself.
0: Well, it's got to feel good though, to at least know that there's more questions. You know, it's, it's got to put you in a weird state of mind when you realize like prior to this, you weren't even asking these questions.
1: Now I'm asking more important questions, you know?
0: What, um... What do you... I imagine that it was refreshing, right? To detach from everything, all the crap that we're constantly attached to, all the internet and the social media and the things that aren't really important. And, I mean, if anything, it gave you a a massive perspective.
1: Absolutely. A breath of fresh air for the most
0: part. Yeah, what, um what what are what are kind of some of the takeaways from that as far as i can imagine what they are you know you, you hear a kind of repetitive theme amongst people who have experienced something like this but there's got to be some some pretty big takeaways as far as realizations go
1: yeah man i have a deep appreciation for uh camaraderie You know, I I did a hike with that German man for a while. And then when I took five days off in New Jersey, like I, the last time we were together, I, I didn't, it it made me realize how much I wasn't appreciating having a trail brother, you know? And the things I I took away, like I'm I'm such uh, an ex, uh, I'm such an introvert, you know? And then when you lose that, it's like, wow, like I wish I had. Talk to him more and and just shared more time with him and and there are other things, but that's one thing about myself, man. It's like I, I gotta stop shutting people out of my life,
0: man. Yeah, I you know I, I have a lot of the the introvert thing going on as well, which sounds a little counterintuitive because I have a podcast, but <laughs> I I think I I realize that where mine comes from is I. I not I don't want to say I despise it cuz that's a very strong word but like I'm just not very fond of the shallow conversation the formalities the 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 kind of way that you're supposed to act when you meet people and you know you're kind of shooting the shit and it's I don't know that stuff drives me nuts and yeah. I I enjoy doing the podcast, because I get to learn something different, and, and, and talk to somebody who's interesting, and, you know, most of the time, like yourself, I get to talk to somebody who is passionate about a thing, that's, like, the best, that's the best form of conversation to me, isn't, uh, I don't know, I mean, yeah, I could talk about, I can talk to you about, like, Game of Thrones, or whatever, I could talk to you about whatever is, you know, winter's coming, and it sucks, and the traffic is yeah. garbage, we could do that, I guess, but... Boring. I, yeah, it's boring, and it's, a, it's like, mildly uncomfortable for me, because I just want to yeah be weird and be myself, but instead we're in this weird, fake kind of thing where we've all agreed, like, this is how you talk to each other, and you talk to each other about, you know, the traffic, and how the traffic sucks, and you make the same jokes about the traffic, and... You know, you make the same jokes about it's Friday, thank God it's Friday, and oh shit, it's Monday, and Monday sucks. Ah, ah, God, that stuff makes me want to, like, I don't know, scratch my skin off or something crazy.
1: Absolutely, man. That repetition, man. It's that same thing over and over.
0: Yeah, which, you know, if I can imagine in in Perth Amboy, it's very difficult to escape the culture of it, because the culture is very, I, I, I don't know how you would say it, like it's like, it's i guess it's like the, the the same culture that you would find in like any hood like i grew up in yeah uh elizabeth and then i moved to Carteret, and it's that's the flavor the flavor is the flavor and that's it and there's not really a, a niche for you to exist in i mean maybe there is but it is that it is a niche you've got to kind of find your your people and coven them away and and those are the people that you can communicate with and actually be yourself but outside of that the entire area is swamped with that that culture
1: yeah you're you hit the nail on the head man seriously it's the same lifestyle every every day you wake up here
0: i think what's funny is you've decided to keep the look too because before you were you know you had uh kind of a buzz cut with your beard low and you had like a shape up and everything and it was just like you know totally normal looking now you look like a straight up like a caveman
1: Hiker trash is what we call it. Hiker, Hiker trash.
0: trash, nice, and you're wearing it proudly.
1: Yeah, man. I, it's it's those societal pressures that you know that make people look at you as if you're something taboo. Like like what's wrong with embracing your natural look? You know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Man. Instead of keeping everything trimmed and straight razored and faded and da 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 da.
1: Just so many assumptions are are just people assume so much about a person when they see this beard and all jailbird or, or has no money. He's homeless. He's, ah oh man. It's like, dude, I'm just, I'm just.
0: Yeah. But you know, what's funny is, uh, is they make all these assumptions, but none of the assumptions are uh member of the 1% of the world who accomplished that thing.
1: Absolutely, man. I, you know, myself.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, what is, the, like, I'm looking at a picture and you, you know, it's it's right now it's your thumbnail and it's you standing on top of this mountain and you you just look so, just so happy. And what was kind of, were, were those moments there that, you know, you got to a certain peak or you got to a certain, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, summit? Like, yeah, like a summit or a landmark or something. Like, it was the next goal. It was the next milestone, and you had, you know, this overwhelming feeling of accomplishment. This whole trip had to be just feeling of accomplishment followed by feeling of accomplishment, you know, a series of it.
1: It's amazing, you know, it's like you put in this work and you get, like, that reward and just knowing that you were going to be rewarded with something natural that many others can't even go to every day, it was... It was such a, a driving force, you know?
0: Do you have any intentions of doing... You, you mentioned earlier that there's the other trails. Yes. What's going on, man?
1: April of 2019, you can catch me on the Pacific Crest Trail from Mexico to Canada.
0: Wow, you're doing it?
1: Absolutely. I, my family finally jumped on the bandwagon. They're like, if you don't do it, then you're missing... You're, selling yourself short in a sense, you know, and that is so like such a relief to see that they're on the train, the same frame of thought that I have, you know, like you can die any day, you know, you get people become old in, from, from night to day, you know, I can snap my ankle just, you know, walking across the street, I can die anything, you know, so they've realized that I'm doing something great and why not keep the ball rolling, you know?
0: Dude, that's beautiful that they're behind you. That that has to feel amazing. Finally. I mean, you did it before when everybody was looking at you like you were crazy. So when you came back, it had to be like, by that time, six months later, they, they got it.
1: They, after seeing all my pictures and hearing my stories and just like the first week back, I was in tears still about how much I missed the trail and you get that post-trail depression, man, it really does exist and it's like, man their son and are just down there and they're understanding why they they can see it in my heart and on my face that man, he really does not like being in society. Like the woods is what makes him happy. So why not? Why wouldn't you want to see your family member happy? Right?
0: Yeah. You know what you got to experience was like uh, some of the last true adventures out there, you know, like everything may have been mapped out and explored, So, in that sense, there's not a lot of mystery, but you can still go on, you know, some massive adventure. You basically, you know, did the Lord of the Rings walk to Mordor. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's awesome that you managed to find that one of the last adventures out there.
1: Yeah, I, I, I really realize how much of an explorer I am, you know?
0: So, there's these three trails. And I imagine that you're not done after the second
1: one. Absolutely not.
0: And then what's what's out there after that?
1: <clears throat> I mean, other than the Pacific Crest Trail in California and the Continental Divide Trail from Montana to New Mexico, there is the El Camino that everyone talks about in Spain and then the T- Terra Aurora in New Zealand. But once I, once I achieve these next two trails, I'll be considered a triple crowner. In the United States, and that's the one goal that I'm going after right now. You know,
0: that's that. I mean, that alone sounds dope. I'm, I'm a triple crowner. That sounds awesome.
1: I, I I can't wait for that title.
0: So I saw on your page that you uh, you had also been to the Gravity Vault. Yeah. That place is pretty dope. Uh, I I went there a few times with some friends, and I realized, like, oh, I mean, at, for the, at the least, indoor rock climbing is incredibly addicting and incredibly fun.
1: I can't get enough. You know, uh, if you if you open up one door of the outdoors, you know, like you just start seeing everything else the outdoors offers, man. And Yosemite is, I mean. It would it would it would be a dream to just be out there climbing rocks every day with that guy Alex Honnold, you know? If if I won the lottery, you would never see me out here again.
0: Oh, so you 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 do have an actual interest in rock climbing.
1: Absolutely, man. I I can't I not get enough and just being in that I guess community, you realize how small it is and how people don't do it from around here and just knowing that I'm different and just being good at it because I'm, I, you know, even though I'm, I'm not even, I shouldn't even consider an amateur, just having a knack for that and just knowing that it's a part of the same outdoor lifestyle that I'm already immersed in, it's, it just feels good to, you know, be a part of it.
0: I think what's also interesting about that is that the people, I imagine that the people that you would admire in that community are actually accessible. They're people that you can communicate with and, and maybe even share experiences with.
1: You know, it, it's not a sport where you're spending a lot of money. It's you climbing rocks. You know, <laughs> it's like everyone appeals to you and you can have these down-to-earth conversations and then these deep conversations about life, you know?
0: Yeah, I, I had watched a few documentaries and what I thought was interesting is like the emotion that's tied up in it and the way people get when they either fail or when they finally succeed in getting to the next point and fastening, you know, their line into another, you know, just a little bit further. And I, I, I can attest to that on such a small level because even just going to the gravity vault, like it's emotion provoking when you, you know, when you leap and try to grab onto something and you slip and you fall, that's one type of emotion. But when you, I mean, I've got a harness on, and I'm at the top of the wall, and the first time I went when the instructor said, you know, just let go and fall back, I suddenly was gripped with like a fear that I hadn't, I don't know what the hell's made me feel like that before. I immediately reached back out and clawed at the wall and hugged it like an animal (laughs) for like a second. I was like, holy shit.
1: Yeah, man that that uh, close encounter with death, you know, it's such a rush.
0: Yeah, it, even though I'm I'm all harnessed up, the ground is matted. I'm in a safe environment. My, you know, I don't know what it is. Just some part of my brain wouldn't acknowledge that and was just like, <laughs> "Don't fucking let go of that wall, dude." It yeah, it's wild. like nothing
1: you ever experienced. Yeah,
0: there it is. Um, it's it's interesting when you pursue something extreme. And you communicate with the people that are part of that culture. It's it is, um, I guess, extreme endeavors breed a type of bond. You know, it's almost like shared trauma breeds a yeah. type of bond. Absolutely. Did that German guy? Did he speak a lot of English, or?
1: Um, he spoke very little English, and I gravitate to people like that. You know, like I. I come from a family you know where we ourselves, when we came to the New Jersey from Puerto Rico, like we spoke very little English, and I just saw the need for help in him, and I immediately just like i said, I gravitated to him
0: and what what was it that he needed help with
1: um He came to America to hike the uh Appalachian Trail because there's a documentary that's the, for some reason uh America owns the Appalachian Trail, but Germany is the only country that has a documentary about the Appalachian Trail. So he came out here with no cell phone, with no means of communication to make reservations at hostels along the way or, you know, to get shuttles. So I I helped him, you know, I saw the need and I was one of the only people on the trail that actually could understand him because, you know, there are these people from other countries and it's hard to understand someone with an accent when you yourself have. And so I clung to him and,
0: What was his English like there at all or
1: it was it was broken English, you know, like
0: if I I was watching the terminal
1: today with my mother and it's there's a point where they try to teach Tom Hanks in that movie to say to ask a girl out. Yeah, you want to get a bite to eat? And he constantly practices the phrase eat to bite instead of bite to eat. And that's how the German passengers spoke. Instead of high five, he would say five high, like stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, so I'd have to help him with like everything, you know, and just how to pronounce things and I would I was teaching him English along the way. Even though he spoke very little he I but he needed help and I, I helped him, you know.
0: Yeah, as far as the language goes, it's like the nuances that are just, that are hard to grap- grasp.
1: Yeah. How long were you with barrier. him? How long say again?
0: How long were you with him?
1: I was with him for 1,600 miles of that 2,190 mile trek. I left him in New Jersey, you know, and I, I wish I had it because I took five days off to visit family. But he was a very determined German and he had a goal. And a lot of people come from different countries with a six month visa. So essentially he was on a timeline.
0: Oh, man. So he just he was just a gangster. He just powered through it
1: he had to go he had to go and i I understood it but just it was it made me upset that i couldn't finish with him when i was with him the entire time
0: you uh do you still have the same girlfriend that you had before you left
1: yeah fortunately yeah she stuck through it
0: wow what that's awesome man that's that's rough
1: it's a definite keeper right there man
0: absolutely absolutely did you how often were you able to to communicate with her
1: Anytime I had service, I would call her, and I, I I wouldn't call my family for some reason as much as I would her because I don't know. It's just like I felt the need that I had to. You know, it's hard to go on these treks for six months and leave some, a loved one behind. Like my family's always going to be there, but you know, certain people have needs and blah 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 blah. You know, but I would talk to her as much as as as, as I possibly could. Anytime I had service, I'd call her immediately and say, "Hey, like I'm here." Send her a picture. I'd try and FaceTime.
0: And I imagine she was supportive of you. I mean, if if not, she wouldn't have stuck around.
1: Yeah, she's the one that took that 13-hour drive to drop me off in Georgia and then drove back by herself 13 hours. So, yeah, she was definitely supportive.
0: Wow, what a gangster.
1: Absolutely, right?
0: That's crazy, man. That's amazing. Oh, my God. So when you – um, what sort of psychological issues are there? I mean, I, I imagine the the desire to quit. Has to keep oh. knocking on the door, right? I mean, just all kinds of crap. Has to keep knocking. Why are you doing this? What the hell is the point? Da 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 da. Yeah. Right? What's like, that? Why like, are we man? doing this? What's that oh. like to, to constantly have to? I mean, it's it's got to be a constant battle against yourself.
1: You know, you 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 really find out how much grit and how much determination and comi- and how committed you really are. You know, even the first week, like it rained and it was cold, and you'd have to put on these cold, wet socks that you that literally they were in, in, in April it was still freezing in Georgia in the mountains so you you have to put on these socks in the morning that are like like ice crisp but you'd have you can crack like an autumn leaf like putting that on and having to walk and your knees hurt and your feet hurt it's it really does define you in in a, a way that nothing else really can like the only thing I compare it to is is wrestling or or military service it's like there's so many different little things that don't want you to complete the trail. You know, you you, you 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 roll your ankle and you have to stop for five minutes. And, like, I could have just lost my my ankle, you know. Like, I have to stop. Why am I really doing this? Like, who from Perth Amboy is even going to acknowledge the fact that I'm doing this? Nobody cares. So, it's like, it's, it's something deep down.
0: Yeah, it's for you.
1: It is. No one cares around here. Even, even now, like... I'm the first person that ever threw actual from birth. No one cares. Like people who I graduated with, they don't care. My personal friends, like I have really close friends that do care, but the people I graduated with, they can they don't even bat an eyelash. No one cares.
0: No, it's it's weird because social media gives this little window into people's lives, and everybody wants to create this this kind of tailored image of like, look, this is yeah. how I'm living, and what you're doing certainly doesn't fit the bill because you're posting. Beautiful nature pictures and and you know, it's everybody else is posting whatever it is that makes them look like they're hustling hard and and being successful and you know whatever the, the the case is it doesn't fit the narrative.
1: It's not it's not it's it's not what society expects of their young men and women you know yeah it's not the American dream to live in the woods and do nothing but hike <laughs> to a certain place you know
0: what you were um you were a wrestler.
1: I was in high school yeah.
0: So to me, there's something there because wrestling. I never wrestled, but I know enough about it to know that as far as I would call it a form of martial arts, because you know, as far as mixed martial arts go, it's a it's a fundamental part of your well-rounded game, and it's from what I understand, the mental discipline of a wrestler is one of the things that really shines through about the practice.
1: Absolutely. It's that sense of accountability, you know, like how late you go to sleep at night before a wrestling match is it's the same as uh, through hikers. Like if you go to sleep too late, you're either waking up too late and you're not going to be able to put in the mileage or you're not going to be refreshed enough to to feel well the next day and what your diet is. If you eat like crap on the trail, you're not going to have good energy for the next day if you eat it like crap. As a wrestler you're not going to make weight or even be able to participate in the match, so it the similarities man there's so many similarities it's it's that one on one it's not you against someone else it's you against yourself and that's what I really it's what really drove me to become a through hiker It's like wow like it's all on you it's all on me, you know
0: yeah i like i said i've never really uh, i was not a wrestler and i've never really taken on any huge endeavors, but I did uh, box for a while, and I did a little bit of mixed martial arts, a little bit of jiu and one of the things that was interesting that that showed me was how much your your mind is like pitted against you. Absolutely. It's insane the amount of times that you want to quit, and it's like this harping little voice that never shuts the hell up that's just like, just <laughs> stop doing this shit. What are you doing this shit for?
1: Yes, yeah, so many questions arise. Why are you doing in question like what's the point why are you doing it
0: yeah but there is something about uh, i don't know it's 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 almost like purely psychological development it's it is that what you mentioned before like seeing what you're made of seeing how much grit you really have and and you know i imagine For myself, after a hard workout, it puts things into perspective. So, like, the thing that was pissing me off or the thing that I was worried about suddenly seems a little bit less significant. You're probably experiencing that or have experienced that on a huge level. Like, what what even seems significant after coming back from that?
1: Family, camaraderie, like, happiness, how, how often we strive to pursue a career with money and not happiness and and that really stands out to me you know
0: yeah it's a lot of people are trapped doing things that they don't want to do uh you know so that they can have money to buy things that they don't really need and those very same people don't often look around and take stock in the things that they do have you know They have friends and they have family and, you know, they have people that care about them. They have had awesome life experiences and, but if you don't step outside of that cubicle or that box every once in a while and realize that, then all you think you have is a shit job and not enough belongings.
1: You know, I, I used to be so petty before the trail, you know, and the trail really taught me to not sweat the small stuff because there's a bigger picture, you know.
0: Do you actively keep in the contact with anybody that you met on the trail?
1: Uh, even though he's thousands of miles away, I talk to the German passenger, which was his trail name, every day just to let him know, hey, you came out in my YouTube video. And Instagram is such a, a perfect platform to be able to communicate with all the through hikers. You know, I'm constantly every day searching for the hashtag Appalachian Trail twenty eighteen. I'm I'm constantly finding the people that I walk next to and saying, Hey, like I can't believe I found you. I'm so happy I did. Like remember that time and then I'll reference like a a time a day we hiked together. And it just it's so uplifting it's not even real, man.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. You know, Instagram is great for that sort of thing. It's social media has all its its bad raps and its pitfalls. Yep. But if you use it the right way, it's an effective tool uh for you know i i use it to find people that i think are interesting and and that i want to communicate with and i want to hear what they have to say if you're just sitting around all day you know looking at goofy shit comparing yourself to other people and that's the pitfall that's when social media is is poisonous and 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 but if you're using it for you know like you said you're you're trying you're able to actually find the people who i mean there's there was never a time where that would have happened It would have just been a distant memory of a good time and a meaningful interaction that you had with a stranger and you never saw them again.
1: It's so unfortunate.
0: But now you can dig through and just be patient. Maybe they'll post today. Maybe they'll post tomorrow. And eventually you can sift through it and you can find them.
1: It's like opening up Pandora's box and seeing all these presents every day. Like, wow, I found you. I can't believe it.
0: Ah, man. Yeah, that is uh, – it is – how do you feel as far as who you are today after finishing the trail and who you were before it? Because visually, you don't even look like the same dude. At all. Yeah.
1: I mean, the transition back to society has – you know, you, you come off the trail feeling like the man, bro. You You come out of the woods, you're like, man, I just did this. You know, even though nobody – knows or cares like I did this and you come back into society and literally after the first three days I was back into that same lifestyle where I'm comparing myself to my to my the people that I graduated high school with and they have all these fancy jobs and I'm just like man here I am again I'm I'm unaccomplished and I'm backtracked in life I don't have my degree and these people have white picket fences and I was falling back into that same mindset of feeling inadequate, you know, I don't match up to what society expects of their young men, you know, and man, I I still feel accomplished, I know there's still a lot of work to do, but I can't help but feel like I'm not where I should be, you know, maybe after I get the triple crown, you know, and my girlfriend asks me, she's like, well, how are you going to feel when you when you come back and you, you do the triple crown, you know, like, you're still going to feel like like you're not there yet, I guess we'll see, you know? I guess we'll see after I do that.
0: Well, have you put any thought toward... Because I think the biggest shame would be after doing the thing and getting the Triple Crown. And yes, there's still places to go and things to do. But to me, it sounds like one of the best parts of it is the community. The people Absolutely. that you meet, the people that are involved with this sort of thing. Have you put any thought towards, like, how many services are there out there for people that are doing this? I mean, as far as, like, the gear goes, the advice goes, the, the you know, any kind of guidance, there's probably a million different angles to come at this so that, you know, maybe one day you could be a permanent fixture in that community, because... It makes sense to think there might be a time one day where you don't feel like walking anymore,
1: isn't that unfortunate?
0: but that's not to say that you couldn't partake and, and couldn't be close to those people
1: yep have when you... I was in um Maine, I inquired even along the trail, I would inquire about park ranger jobs, you know because being a park ranger, you'd have access. To seeing all the throughout every year, and you can offer advice, and then there's always doing gear reviews on YouTube or being a volunteer at the Appalachian Trail Conservancy. Like those are all possible like outcomes of what and where my career path is headed. But man, I just I just wish I had more. You know, I wish I, I wish there were more options in New Jersey, just because the trail's so far from where I live. You know, like, no one does that from around here. So I would have to have a complete change of of life, you know, with a state where people do acknowledge the Appalachian Trail, you know, and people do acknowledge Triple Crowners, you know, just because New Jersey isn't the place for me anymore, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, it it is up here, uh, and the culture up here is certainly different. But I don't know. I just feel like, uh, you know, it sounds like, the last thing you should do is stay there. Yes. To come back and to immediately, you know, you said three days later, you were you were feeling the same way, comparing yourself, and, and then to be your healthiest when you're, you know, mentally, when you're on this thing. I mean, it seems to me like the person that you became after the trail, that one you're so much happier with and two was because of the trail so to go back and be in the same place and start doing the same thing it's a trap man comfort zones are a trap and it's very easy to fall back into the same old grooves and it just seems like man you should i mean you said what april 19th um or april of 2019 yes and then at some point when you come back it's like you've got the one more trail to do there's there's got to be a bunch of different ways to to go at it and to be part of the community and and to just you know communicate with those people offer them a service help them to to accomplish the thing i mean like we talked about earlier imagine what it was like 5 years ago when you just didn't have the information and and the amount of failures the the amount of different ways that you could help somebody, like I was thinking, I've always thought about it, but I have a son and a wife, and I thought to myself, well, maybe one day when he's out of the house, uh, you know, which is a long time from now, he's only three years old, but maybe one day when he's out of the house, I would do that, and that's a long time from now, and I'm going to be so lucky to have access to all the information out there, and you know, people like you who've already done it, who have uh, a bunch of advice to give, and people who know what the best gear is and, and all that other stuff. Those those kind of people, there's not enough of them right now, I imagine. I mean, yeah. sure, there is enough to get the job done, but there's always room for more. Do you feel like, like your YouTube channel, you, you mentioned that? You have one? Yes, I do. And what is it for? Is it just the experiences that you've had?
1: It's for the experiences I had. It's for you know reviews on on certain campsites and certain things I brought. I bought along the way. So gear reviews might be a definite way that I take that YouTube channel just to recommend certain things because even now I have companies reaching out to me saying, "Hey, like, how did you like this?" Like, and in the back of my mind, I'm like, I should make a video to help people and to recommend these products because it surely helped me. I'm sure it would help somebody
0: else. Oh, dude, that sounds like a hundred percent, a great move. I mean, what's the harm in it? There's absolutely no harm in it. And you know, even if nothing came from it, except helping a few people and those people communicating with you, that's, that to me sounds like a great deal.
1: I think, I think it's the way I should go. And so many people have told me to write a book, you know, like I was uh, a Hispanic hiker and you, there aren't many people of color on the trail. So that's another thing I can write about and just explain my experiences. And, you know, there's the pressures you get from everybody and,
0: that's, that, see, that's really interesting. I think that would be a great route because there's not a lot, I mean, I think it's fair to call uh, Perth Amboy the hood. I never lived there, but living on yep. the outskirts of it, that's, you know, basically how it was. And yep. to, to talk about that, I mean, just that alone, like what the hell was, were you born and raised there?
1: I was born in Puerto Rico, actually, and then came here when I was three or four and pretty much raised as a Perth Amboy uh, resident.
0: Wow, so I mean that has to even kind of uh boggle your mind. Like what's going on there? What's up with the psychology that you've always, you know, grown up in this you've been side by side with those people, but you're so much so on a different page that you're the very first person in Perth Amboy to ever have done this.
1: It's what drove me onto the trail, essentially, New Jersey and just Perth Amboy it's what I'm surprised it didn't leave a little trail of fire behind me on my way (laughs) to the trail because, man, it really drove me out there. So,
0: man. Yeah, I think that the YouTube channel is a great move, man. You really should uh, expand on that. And, I mean, if companies are reaching out to you, and they're companies that obviously you enjoy because you use their gear, and it's gear that's related to a a pursuit that you enjoy – that to me is a given, man. That sounds like a great move.
1: Yeah, I think I should uh go full full force and actually commit to it.
0: Yeah, I mean, you already did something way crazier. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like doing the review sure. is a, is a given. You already hiked goddamn How many miles was it again?
1: 2,190 miles.
0: 2,100 Dude, what did it feel like when you finished?
1: I burst into tears honestly I could, I you know like you I was tearing up the whole like last month and I'm like oh even in my videos as I was po- I was posting I was I was constantly say, like I can't believe this coming to an end like I can't believe this coming to an end but like when I got to the finish line my body just went and then I caught myself cuz there were people there but I ne- I've never burst into tears like that it was crazy it was like a a relief and uh and just like a wow you know like a, a weight off my shoulders like I did it I had Finally did it, you know? Oh,
0: uh, man. I, I can't imagine the, the, the feeling of accomplishment. The feeling of accomplishment, man. I mean, it's... it's We we come from people that, you know, walked across the Bering Street. The people that, yeah. you know, migrated. Human beings used to migrate. They're not migrate, but uh, I forget what the term is. But we used to pick up and just walk. For for yeah. hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of miles to get to a new place, and you know it's almost like somewhere in us there, there's still that DNA, and uh, yes. it's like you tapped into it.
1: Yeah, I, I I literally opened Pandora's box, man, and I I don't intend on closing it anytime soon. Well,
0: I really hope you uh you you find an angle because, you know, it, it seems to me like if anybody in you know I don't know how many people in New Jersey have done it, but if you look at if you look at Perth Amboy as a bunch of uh, potential futures for each uh, each occupant, each each citizen of Perth Amboy, and you look at each person and you go, well, what should this person do? If you look at you, it's it's a it's a given. You should do something with this. It's your occupation. Your your you know you sh- you've got to figure out an angle, man. Because uh, I don't think. You let something as life-changing and, and as important to you, kind of just just be that when there's so many different facets to it.
1: It's so refreshing hearing that. Honestly, it is.
0: Well, I hope you figure it out, brother. Um, I don't want to take up any more of your time, and I I got a bunch of stuff that I got to wrap up over here. But I, I really appreciate uh, you doing this, and dude, I'm 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 looking forward to. Uh, I'd love to have you back on after you do the next one
1: absolutely i look forward to that too
0: that would be awesome brother uh so you know good luck with with everything and and uh what what's what's your oh you know what i wanted to ask you before we go what what's up with beats why do they call you beats
1: Now everyone acquires a trail name the trail name is given to you by people who walk around you and it's based on like something you do or something you say or you know it's supposed to be based on your actions and they called me beats because i would carry around a speaker a jbl speaker and play all different genres of music and that really motivated me and helped me when i was alone so that's why they called me beats
0: that's awesome dude that had to be great for people too that like didn't have it you know just to like yeah when you walk with that guy he's got awesome music that he plays and it makes the walk so much easier it really was motivating (laughs) that's that's cool man how do you pronounce your last name Pacheco, Pacheco, Elliot beats Pacheco. Well, thank you very much, brother. I appreciate you coming on, and uh, you're on Instagram as Elliot beats Pacheco. And you know, I I I hope that uh, all this stuff starts to blow up. What's your YouTube channel?
1: E for exploring.
0: E for exploring. Okay, E for exploring. That's on Instagram as well, right?
1: Yes, but on Instagram it's the number four, and on, on YouTube it's the word four. E for exploring.
0: All right, brother. Well, I look forward to to seeing some more work, and hopefully we can. Touch base again after you do it again.
1: Thank you for having me. Seriously, it was a pleasure.
0: Thank you for coming on, brother.
1: I'll talk to you soon, I hope.
0: All right, brother. Have a good one. You too. Please. Ah, man. That was cool. That was cool. What a cool story. What a... F- God, I'm just thinking about doing that. Just, just... Walk in for two, what, 2,000, how many, God, I asked the dude fucking three times, you'd think I'd remember it. Six months? Jesus Christ. Jeez. You know, uh, for those of you that aren't from around where I live, like I was saying to him, Perth Amboy's the fucking ghetto. And for this dude to come out of there with, you know, an interest that he very much made it sound like, and I assume, is not something that is a shared interest from Perth Amboy. But it sounds like that drove him to, you know, that put him in that direction. And he was right down the street from me at some point. How cool was that? Could have ran down, gave him a fucking high five. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I hope he figures it out. I, I You know, a guy like that, could easily start giving advice, could start reviewing gear, could, you know, tell stories, and, and, I mean, the people that are part of that community would love it, and what's, what's better than that? Um, ah, wow. Makes you feel like you're not doing enough. Not doing enough. Feel like I got to do more. Well, anyway, that was it. Elliot beats Pacheco. Catch him on E for Exploring on Instagram for the number four. And uh, E for Exploring on YouTube Four as an F-O-R. And we'll touch base with my man again after he, he does the Pacific Crest. Which is even longer. I believe he said it was in the 3,000-something. It goes through desert. Whew. That's sketchy, dude. That's a whole nother can of worms, right? As far as carrying water and all this other crap goes. Uh, anyway, uh, got some good stuff coming up. I do believe... Yeah, E4 Explorer. I'm going to take a break for about a week. Try to get some things ironed out. I might put out a solo episode. Just... Just an episode of reflection. No, I'm saying. And then uh, on November 5th, I've got uh, my man Russell coming on the podcast. Russell actually made the grandfather clocks for the Fighter in the Kid's studio and for Joe Rogan's studio. He's an excellent. welder and fabricator and he's very creative he makes dope shit Uh, and I'm looking forward to talking to him and then I've got some other stuff I don't want to say it because I don't want to jinx it you know I was supposed to have uh, Marcia Allen on who was the competitor in like the ultimate fighter 228 or 28 whichever one and that ended up falling through um you know so maybe I shouldn't rattle off all the shit that I got coming down the pipe cause you never know when it's gonna fall through but I do gotta do one with cousin Gabe again I was gonna do that soon um I wanted him to help me out with an episode that I'm gonna try to get on YouTube oh <gasps> Oh, so you can see my beautiful face, but I am missing out on on that YouTube market, and I'd like to be on there, and it just helps sometimes. Some people just like to see a face when they listen to a podcast, so there's that. Anywho, that's all I got for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in uh, to episode whatever of Where I Belong. I am your host, David Corbo, and I appreciate the shit out of you guys for listening. You know, one thing I do want to say before I sign off is, like, we talked a little bit during this podcast about, like, oh, you know, I had some relatives or whatever that were hesitant about me doing this and, you know, thought it was a silly pursuit, but... You know one they they just they're just concerned for me which is understandable they just want to see me do good but what i will say is besides that i have found this entire experience to be full of support people are incredibly supportive and incredibly positive and i've already made great friends and uh and had awesome experiences And it's cost me nothing. And, you know, that part of the job is already done. If you ask me what the goal of this was, you know, are you going to make money? How are you going to get paid? Uh, Probably never going to make money. Probably never going to get paid. But, you know, I've already talked to Elliot Pacheco, the guy who just finished the Appalachian Trail, you know, Michael Klein of, of One by One Podcast. Photoshop Steve. Nathan of, of, of Drawn from the Mind. You know, Rick from Nature is Metal. Rob Ingram of McDojo Life. You know, like, I didn't think that this was going to... I didn't think that I would be talking to people. Number one, people like that. And number two, that I would have guests at all by this point. I thought that I would be doing solo podcast for the next 50 podcasts but that's not the case man I've gotten to sit down and have conversations with awesome people that I consider them my friends so to me even if it ended right now somehow if they were like podcasting's over you can't do that anymore and I would have already done something satisfying and it's not over I still have more cool guests coming down the pipe I get to talk to more interesting people I get to make more friends so yeah I just wanted to say that you know it's been very supportive this whole situation and a lot of cool stuff has been you know has come as a result of it So, who can complain? Not me. So, once again, thank you guys for listening. And uh, I will see you all next time. Love you. Bye-bye. Mwah!